Hi there, welcome to Southside Baptist Church's Sermon Audio Podcast. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at southsidesbc.org or you can go to our Facebook page. If you'd like to connect with us, you can send us an email at info at southsidesbc.org. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please go on to your podcast platform and leave us a positive review to help others find our content more easily. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Well, good morning. Did everybody have a great Thanksgiving? Lots of turkey, mashed potatoes, all that good stuff. Well, we had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Our family was all home. Our kids were home. Our extended family. We had a wonderful time. And to me, this tops it off. is just meeting together as God's people, looking at his word this morning. So now you might be tired from all that turkey. I know it's still working its way through your system, but I'll do the best I can this morning. And while I'm uh, starting, turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is kind of be our our uh, key verse for this morning. We're going to come back to it several times. Um, but this morning, what I want to talk to you is about something that has been on my mind for months, and that is how to be an attractive Christian. And I don't mean how to attract a girlfriend or a spouse. I mean, how do we as Christians be attractive to the world without compromising our, our stance or dishonoring God. So look with me at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. And I know initially this may not make a lot of sense, but we'll get there. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12. You and I, if you're a believer this morning, we are called to be ambassadors. And we talked about this before. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody that represents their homeland, but in a foreign country, right? Well, we represent which land? Heaven, right? We represent heaven, and we find ourselves in this foreign country called America, and we're trying to live our lives here and relate to the people here. But you and I are called to be ambassadors, and let me tell you, Christ needs us to be those ambassadors. During the 1900s, from the 1930s, roughly up to the year 2000, about 70% of the American population had some type of religious affiliation, 70%. Now, that doesn't mean everybody was a believer. It doesn't even necessarily make America a Christian country. But we had an affiliation of up to 70%. But starting in 2000, this number has dropped rapidly. And now we see that only 40% of U.S. adults belong to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. Now, what does that really mean for us? What that means for us is that many people... Let me put it this way. Many people that you know have never stepped foot in a church. The only thing they know about church or religion or God is what they hear in the media. Does that reflect well on us? Or what they know of other Christians. And so that's where you and I come in, is that we have the privilege 
of being ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians says it like this. Paul wrote, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. So it's not just me telling you this. This is, this is Paul's telling you this. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeals through us, through you. You are his ambassador at the place that you work, with your family, with your friends, with people that aren't saved. You are an ambassador for Christ, and what a high privilege it is. But sometimes I don't know how well I'm doing at that. So, you know, I remember church from when I was a boy. Um, I got saved right before my senior year of high school. And let me tell you, back then, Christians were a lot more uptight, I think, than they are right now. And uh, so I, I got saved. I went to my senior year, and I went to a Christian college. A man was I excited about Christian college because I knew that everybody loved the Lord, and we were going to pray together every day, and it was just going to be great, right? Well, I also didn't know all the ways that I was transgressing against the law until I got to Christian college. So, for example, it's a good thing I went because I didn't realize that blue jeans were associated with the works of darkness. <laughs> you could wear them... Maybe after dinner, if you're feeling a little liberal, the occasional weekend, or maybe if you're in your room by yourself with the curtains closed, then yeah, jeans were okay. But other than that, they were not to be worn. Before I went to Christian college, I had a job where I closed a gas station down at night. So I worked until about midnight, and then sometimes, you know, there's a lot of tasks to do, and then sometimes I'd even go out to eat with my friends afterwards. So I was used to not getting home till 1 or 2 in the morning. And then I found out when I got to Christian college, that that was a big no-no, man, because curfew was 10 o'clock. But it was okay, because on the weekends, it was 10.15, so they kind of relaxed a little bit. And uh, a friend of mine, you know, it it was a really big deal, and you weren't supposed to go back to your your dorm late. So if you love campus, a friend of mine said, what you were supposed to do is then just don't go back, because that way you didn't break curfew, so you stayed out all night long, and then you came back in the morning, and nobody would know, and that's how you didn't break curfew, and that's what I found out. And then the third thing I found out was I was doing music wrong. So as coming from a really kind of a non-Christian background, I was used to listening to U93, right? Anyone else? Okay, yeah, okay, all right, I got some friends out there. U93, well, I found out at Christian College that music was serious business, and they expected us to take it seriously, right? So we were not allowed to listen to Christian acid rock like Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith, <laughs> Um, they were blacklisted. Now, the college did offer, they had a Christian music station on the campus, and they had a fine selection of Gregorian chants, the Von Trapp family singers, and Bertha Bontrager and her whirling Wurlitzer organ playing a selection of hymns and sacred songs. I, of course, didn't know because I didn't listen to it. So what wasn't blacklisted was Michael Jackson, the police, Devo, yeah, I knew how to whip it good, so I was there. (laughs) But something funny happened when I left this Christian bubble. I came home on break, and I remember feeling so uncomfortable out in the world. You know, going going to the mall felt like I was walking among the heathen. You know, and it's like, is that really what what Christ wants for us? Is that how we picture Him? Is that how I'm to be as an ambassador for Christ, is being scared to be out in the world? You know, I might hear a cuss word. Oh, no, what's that going to do to me, you know? Um, Jesus wasn't like that at all. He was, he was attractive. 
People wanted him. People wanted to be with him. Do you remember when the Pharisees were criticizing Jesus? Do you remember what they said? They said, well, this guy, he's with drunkards and tax collectors. You know what? That wasn't just like language. Like, he probably was with drunks, right? I mean, he was hanging out with, with the heathen. That, that's where he was. Well, the church has really um, relaxed, I'd say, in the years since I've been at college. But even so, even though we've relaxed the way we dress and the way we talk and what we're willing to accept, I think the world still sees us as stiff, artificial, and with something to hide. Um, I was talking to a guy one day, and he goes, well, you know, I invited him to come to Southside. He goes, well, you guys just want my money. That's all you want. More people, more money. Um, Recent headlines. Uh, Racism among white Christians is higher than among the non-religious. That's no coincidence. From this past September, Time Magazine, three threats Christian nationalism poses to the United States. Here's another one. A blogger wrote this. Seven problems in Christianity that killed my faith. That's, that's kind of what the world thinks about us. Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Um, is this justified? Is it fair? Well, I think part of it is that there's going to be a natural antagonism between us and the world. I mean, it's just, it's inescapable. Jesus Christ was, by his very nature, offended, and people are going to be offended by us sometimes, not justifiably, but let me tell you about something that I experienced at a personal level. So, I've told you before, I work at a school, it's a secular school, and we were in the depths of COVID where St. Joseph County was mandating masks at all public events, no exceptions. And so I was stationed at um, one of the doors, and as people would come in, and you know, a lot of people didn't want to wear a mask. I didn't always want to wear a mask, but we would have to say, would you please put a mask on? It's St. Joe County regulation for right now. Here's a free mask. Please take one and put it on and go on in. Well, we were talking that, about this with my coworkers at one of our meetings, and we were talking about different schools and the crowds, and a Christian school, a local Christian school that I have close ties to came up, and they said, oh, yeah, they'll never listen. They just do what they want to do. They're not going to listen. And you know what? They didn't. Our admin team said, yeah, they're just really rude. And, uh, yeah, after we lose the game, then the coaches want to come and pray with us. Now, again, is that fair? I think there's some natural antagonism there. But we've got to do what we can to make a difference in the world that we live in, right? We need to be ambassadors for Christ reaching out because if people think that you're judgmental or racist or they think that you're not willing to, you know, whether you agree with masks or not, if you're not willing to do what someone asks you to do and you go into their home, that doesn't reflect well on you, but more importantly, it doesn't reflect well on Christ, right? And we're to be his ambassadors. So this is where we come, but here I think is a real problem that we don't understand or we don't really think about. I think sometimes we come across badly because... I want the world to understand me, right? I, I don't want to understand them. I want you to understand me. I want, I, world, I want you to understand my stance for abortion or my stance on this issue or my stance on that issue. And here's the thing. The world's not going to beat down our door to come to us, right? It's our job, just like Jesus, to go to them and to be those ambassadors. Um, We need to be attractive to others without compromising our faith or dishonoring God 
But how do we do this? Well, I think the answer is simple, but it isn't easy. So, and let me tell you, this is as much for me as it is for anybody here. So can you go ahead and put up, let me see what you got next. Change the slide. Yep, there you go. Thank you very much. So this morning we're going to talk about being thankful, be strong, and the last one is be unshakable. But right now we're going to talk about being strong. But I believe with all my heart that if we adopt these as our own and ask God to make them real in our lives, we can be effective for him. Um, The first one, be thankful. You might think I'm sandbagging because it's Thanksgiving, and so I just kind of pulled this out of my pocket and stuck it out there first because we should be thankful. But that's not what I'm talking about. As Christians, we should be the most thankful people of all. Are we? Am I thankful for more than pumpkin pie and football and family? Um, It seems like in America, complaining has become a national pastime. Sometimes I think we're like Alice Roosevelt, the daughter of Teddy Roosevelt. She once said, if you don't have anything nice, then come sit by me. And I think sometimes we might identify with that. But how unattractive in a Christian to be a complainer. I remember one time I was in a Bible study or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was a church. And somebody said that I had to think of, we all had to share three things that we were thankful for. You know that look when the teacher asks a question and everyone goes. That's why I, I struggled to think of three things that I was thankful for. I had, well, of course, I was thankful for salvation, right? That's a, that's a giving. It sounded kind of spiritual. Um, but what else was I thankful for? And I had to really think. I could think of a hundred complaints off the top of my head, but trying to think of something to be thankful for, and it was a struggle. Shame on me. <laughs> I'm thankful for you. It's my kids signaling to me. But listen to this. Listen to what the Bible says. Um, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Turn there with me. Colossians 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it, did you, is that the word in your Bible? Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, when we're walking down the halls of the church, or maybe you're with your family, your friends, would somebody say of you, boy, that Chris Cripe, he just abounds with thanksgiving. What does it mean to abound? It's, you're, just, you're bubbling up, right? You're overflowing. You're thankful. You're thankful. You're thankful, right? You're abounding in thanksgiving. Um, you might say, well, what if my life kind of stinks right now? You know, you just, Chris, you just don't know how tough I've got it. The dog was bad and the carpet's wrecked and it's just, everything's bad. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in some circumstances. No, no, no. What's it say? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all, all, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we go, man, what's God's will for my life? I have no idea. Well, here's one right now, right? He wants us to be thankful. He wants us to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Remember our our passage, Hebrews 12, if you've still got your finger there, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, 
let us be thankful. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. You know, even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I can still be thankful. Think about it. We live in a kingdom, America, that not only can be shaken, but is being shaken right now. But you and I are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, sometimes, yeah, it feels like the world is spinning out of control. But am I going to put my hope in this world? Or am I going to put my hope and thanks in a kingdom that cannot be shaken? Turn with me to Psalm 95, because it emphasizes this point of an unshakable kingdom. Psalm 95. We'll just look at the first few verses here. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his for his hands, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. That's the God that we serve. That's the kingdom that we have. We should shout joyfully to him. He's a rock. He is the builder of this world, and he can melt this world with one word. Amen? That is what we have. Well, you might be thinking, look, that's all fine and good, but I just don't have it in me to give thanks to him today. Things are just too bad. Well, I have one verse for you. Hebrews 13, 15 says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Sometimes giving thanks to God is a sacrifice. And you know, it's a sacrifice just like in the Old Testament when they'd sacrifice animals, and maybe you didn't want to give that animal up because it was valuable to you and you sacrificed it to the Lord um, but sometimes we have to give a sacrifice of praise to God, a sacrifice of saying it maybe when we don't feel it. But even if I don't feel it, if I give praise to God, I'm going to be transformed, right, as I start to feel that thankful heart. Um, we expect life to be smooth and calm. Is yours? I always think that normal life is a life without problems. Is that your life? My life is a continual problem. Jobs, family, the dog, whatever, the car. There's always a problem. And sometimes I don't feel very thankful. And I have to give that sacrifice of praise. Well, I learned through all this, as God started working in my heart, because I was telling you I wasn't very thankful. Um, I started to learn that being thankful is a choice. It wasn't something that came automatically to me. And so initially what I did was I had to make a list of things that I was thankful for. And let me tell you, it was hard. And when I got up to 10, I was like, wow, I made it to 10. You know, wasn't that something? And I had to keep going. And now I'm thankful for all kinds of things. I'm thankful for a good job, my wife and her love and companionship. This morning when it was raining and cold, I was thankful for a stout roof and four walls around me to keep out the cold. I'm thankful for a car with a working heater. 
I'm thankful that if the water is the wrong temperature, I can just adjust a lever and get it just where I want it to be. I'm thankful for three great kids. I'm thankful for a good church. I'm thankful for pizza. Hey, don't knock pizza. I'm thankful that God loves me when I know for a fact I don't deserve it. I'm thankful for that. And I'm also thankful that there's something better coming than this old world and all its problems. Now, I got to give you a warning about thankfulness because we've all heard people be thankful, but it's kind of weird. You know, like they break their toe and they go, well, I'm just thankful I've got a toe to break, right? And you know, if you do that, you're going to kind of look like a nut. I'm just going to be honest with you. But so let's not, and, and let's not weaponize our thankfulness like someone's complaining about dinner and say, well, at least you're not like the starving children of Africa. I'll be thankful for that. Like sometimes I think thankfulness is best between you and God and maybe a few close friends. But here's what I found, though. Being thankful to God, even if it was in my private place of prayer, it started to change me. I became sweeter, more chill, um, easier to deal with, better able to roll with the punches. In short, hopefully, it made me more attractive to others. Being thankful will set you apart. Honor God for the gifts he's given you. Bring you joy and make you more attractive to others. That's being thankful. Let's look, look at our, let's look at our next tool, being strong. Uh, you might think, uh-oh, now it's going to be tough. Well, let me add here, not strong in our own strength, but strong in the power of God's might. You know, sometimes when I look at the church, I feel like we're in a defensive posture. Do you feel it? The, the messages of the world, the criticism of the church, and sometimes we think the right answer is to buy a plot of land in Montana and get a bunch of food and, and just stay there safe and secure, right? Um, sometimes we feel that we are the victims. But is that what the Bible says? Does the Bible describe us as victims, as poor and weak? The Bible tells us that you may be the weakest, most ineffective person that ever walked the planet. You might be scared to say boo to a cat. You might have bad teeth, bad hair, bad breath, the personality of a blob of silly putty. But even if all that's true, if you have Christ, you are an overcomer. If you are a part of God's kingdom, you are invincible, not because of your strength, but because of the one who protects you. This is about the God we serve and the same God who has the power to melt the nations, the power to calm seas, the power to pass through an angry mob unharmed, also empowers you today to live a victorious life and accomplish his purposes for his kingdom. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear. Do we ever fear? Yeah, we do. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I don't have to be strong in my strength. It doesn't depend on how much willpower I have or fortitude I have or, you know, even if I prayed particularly strong that morning, God says, I'm with you, I'm with you all every day, and I'm giving you my strength. I'm upholding you with my hand. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. And we think, well, that meant, you know, Jericho. 
right? Well, that also means South Bend and Mishawaka and Elkhart and your job and your family and wherever you go and where you feel like you don't have what it takes or you, you aren't enough or you lack whatever, that's okay because your lack is an opportunity for God to show his strength, right? You have his strength, How often do we as Christians express confidence in God's power and strength? We believe he split the Red Sea. We believed he raised Jesus from the dead. And then we're all upset because there wasn't a red wave in November. You know, like the Republicans are going to save the country or something. You know, I just love Philippians 4.13, don't you? Um, Where it says, I can do some things through Christ which strengthens me. I can do a few things through Christ. What is it? All. What things? Let's say it. All. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You know, here's the thing, and we don't want to admit it because it's kind of ugly, but when I say I can't, what I'm really saying is sometimes I won't, and sometimes I'm saying I doubt. And one of my doubting is God. And I just need to be reminded. We all have those times. You know, think about the great miracles that are in the Bible. The parting of the Red Sea, the raising of Christ, the building of the early church. Let's say Peter's transition from scaredy cat to a bold witness for Christ in the temple. How many of those things are due to people? And how many of those things are due to God and his strength? Is God still strong today? Or was God just strong back when, when Moses was alive? Was that the only time he was strong? Or maybe he was only strong until Jesus died. Or maybe he was only strong during the days of the early church. Is he strong today in 2022? How about next year in 2023? Or do you you think his strength might wear out? Or maybe he might run out? Maybe the sand's almost all out of the hourglass? No, 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 no. Remember our verse, Hebrews 12, 28 through 29? Turn there again. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that can sometimes be shaken... Is that what it says? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. My friend, if you are a believer this morning, you are part of an unshakable kingdom. And that kingdom is greater than what I'm going through or what you're going through or what your spouse is going through or what's happening at your job or what's happening to your friends. It is unshakable. And you're a part of that. That's real strength. Not believing that I'm strong, but believing that he's strong. Ephesians 6.10 tells us this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right? He's not, you know, if, if I was just telling you, hey, you got to be strong, man. you got to be stronger. you got to be stronger. You're going to think, man, I'm just, I'm doing the best I can. I'm barely hanging on here. we got to be strong in the power of his might. Now, how do we get there? Well, here's, here's one way. Jesus said this, Matthew 7. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. All right, so everyone who hears and does, you can't just listen. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been found on the rock. And my friend, that rock is just as solid and just as secure today as it was the day that Jesus said these words. Just as strong. Because here's the thing. 
we live in 2022, and you turn on the TV, and things don't look so great. But let me tell you, people still need the message of the gospel. They still need the hope and healing that Jesus brings. And you and I, we're the ones called to do it, right? The people of the past, they're gone, man. The people that, you know, the disciples and the apostles, and they did all those great works, they're dead and gone and in heaven at their reward. The people that lived during the great revivals in the 1800s, they're gone. It is your turn, it's my turn, to carry that torch today, to carry it now. God intended for you to live in this generation, in this place, to accomplish his good works. And he's going to give you the strength to do it. Amen? And we can do it. God has a job for us to do, not in my strength, but in his. Now, let me give you a warning uh, or something to think about. Being strong in the Lord does not mean that everything in life is going to go my way. It's not. Sometimes bad things happen, and sometimes they happen to me. But will I trust him through those times? Will I keep going? Will I keep serving? Um, Every day is not going to feel like a victory, right? It's not. But we're going to get back up, and we're going to dust ourselves off, and we're going to keep on going. You know, we talked about being an attractive Christian. I said be thankful and be strong. People are drawn to strength. You know, when's the last time you heard a girl say, oh, he's so weak and wimpy. (laughs) His muscles are so tiny. I love the way he couldn't pick up that chair. No. They want some strength, right? You may not feel strong, but you are. Every one of you. Not strong because you took a course in strength training, but because you've been adopted into a family, God's family. You've joined a kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, and from now until the end of time, God is at work and active, and he's using us to advance his kingdom. We feel weak, but the difference is it doesn't matter how I feel because God is strong. This strength comes from an unshakable God who has an unshakable kingdom and yet gave up his own son so that we could be adopted into his family. And my friend, that is true strength. It's strength to witness when you're scared. It's strength to face personal trials and adversity. It's strength to trust God when the storms of life threaten to blow you away. That's true strength, and it's attractive to people. Being strong will set you apart. Honor God by showing your trust in his strength and make you more attractive to others. And now for our last point, is be unshakable. Now you, I know, that sounds like that is way too much for us, right? Okay, I can be thankful. Maybe I can start to be a little stronger, but no, there's no way I can be unshakable. But I believe that if we give thanks and we grow in strength, we will start to become unshakable. Not unshakable in myself, but unshakable in my faith in God and his power. You want to know what God's power is like? Turn with me. Psalm 46. Psalm 46. Verses 1 through 7. God, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, We will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake 
with its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He, she shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The God of Jacob is your refuge. This is the mighty God that we serve. Do you think he's troubled by what's going on in Europe right now? Do you think he's troubled by political events or the chaos in the streets? He is not troubled. He has it all under control. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't feel it. But it's true. But if we can grasp this truth, not being unshakable in myself, but being unshakable in a firm conviction that he is God, he will win, and I can trust him with my life, then we can be like that tree in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Have you ever seen a tree in a storm? We had a tornado close to our house that actually touched down in our neighbor's backyard, and man, the trees, I mean, the trunks were shifting like that. But you know what? Those strong trees, they didn't snap. The branches whipped around. A few, a few weak branches fell out on the ground, but after that storm was over, those trees were still there. And the word says that if we build our lives on him, that's the way you're going to be, is unshakable. Jesus said it this way, John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. I want peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. All right, he just told us right there. Don't expect it to be easy. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the words of Christ. And those are things that can make us unshakable. And keep in mind, this was not spoken on a happy day at Disney World, okay? He wasn't in line to ride Space Mountain right here. He spoke this hours before the crucifixion. And he knew what was to come. He knew that most of the disciples would run away and turn their back on him. He knew the pain, the anguish, the separation from God that he would endure in just a few short hours. And yet, he was encouraging the disciples and us to not fear, but to have peace. In fact, not just peace, but to be of good cheer. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And that's the kingdom that we've received. You know, we look around at the world, and you know what we see is a bunch of fear. The price of gas, the price of bread, politics, violence. And then we wonder, how much worse can it get? Well, what does the world see when they look at me? Do they see someone that's just as shaken up because eggs cost more than they did a year ago? Or do they see that calm assurance that God is in control and that we can trust him? 
Because let me tell you, if you feel shaken up, think how all the unbelievers must feel. If you want to be an attractive Christian, in my mind, nothing is more attractive than someone who is at peace with themselves and the world. Someone who is the calm in the center of the storm. Your friends, your family, they don't need to hear us talk about the price of gas. They need to see our confidence in a mighty God who only needs to raise his voice to melt nations. We know it's going to get bad. Jesus said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. You know, I'm not telling you we're in the end times right now, although they're going to come eventually. But he says, look, wars, rumor of wars, don't be troubled. You know what? This is just like I was telling you about thankfulness. Being thankful is a choice. Being strong is a choice. Being unshakable is a choice, and I have to choose it every day. Elisha's servant had the same problem. Elisha lived in a time when there was constant war between Israel and the surrounding nations. The king of Syria wanted to attack Israel and sent a great number of men to fight. And we read in 2 Kings 6, I'll just read it to you. He says, Therefore, the king of Syria sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now imagine you've gone Black Friday shopping, you're at Target, you snag the 75-inch TV, and you go out in the parking lot, and you're surrounded by enemy soldiers. But there's more. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out there, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? You know, I can identify with this. I can feel the fear that he would have felt. It's a good thing I wasn't there. But look at how Elisha handled this. So Elisha answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know, wouldn't that be great if our eyes could be opened and we could see the realities? We don't see them right now. We don't see God necessarily at work. We don't see his armies, but they're there and you can count on it. Are we willing to look with eyes of faith to see that? In short, are we willing to face the doubts and uncertainties of this crazy world with an unshakable belief in the power of God? It can be done but it takes work on my part. Now, you might be here this morning thinking, you know what, this is way too much. I can't do this. This is beyond me. Well, we're going to talk about how to get there by taking small steps. And for me, it started with being thankful. Um, God taught me this lesson during a really rough time. I had taken a job, and it was very uncertain. My boss had threatened to fire me, and uh, he didn't, but the threat was there. And I was afraid of running out of money. You know, what if I couldn't afford to put food on the table or couldn't afford to pay the mortgage? It was a scary time. And I had a wife and three kids to provide for. And all day long, my, fill, my head was just filled with what ifs. What if this? What if that? What if we lose the house? You know, what if? Well, we'd always prayed as a family at mealtimes, you know, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. We'd always pray that kind of stuff. But as these fears were in my mind, I started to 
give God for the provision for that day. And I pray, Lord, thank you that for today, there's food on our table and a little bit of money in the bank. And I really, over time, began to feel thankful for that. I stopped thinking about what next month or next week could bring and just focused on the fact that for today, we had food on our table and we all got a meal. I prayed that way for a long time, and sometimes even still today, I'll pray that at dinner. Well, I began thinking him for our daily bread, and that fear that I felt on an hour-by-hour basis started to kind of gradually lessen, and this kind of led to number two. It led to some strength in my life, because as I started to give thanks to God for his provision, all of a sudden, he started opening my eyes to all these other ways that he'd been providing for me that I didn't even think about. And also I'm like, wow, well, God, thank you for this and thank you for that. And it started to build my faith. And I started to feel strengthened. Um, I found that giving things to God started to make me stronger in other areas of my life. And I stopped fearing what could come tomorrow. In fact, the wor- these words became real for me for the first time. Jesus said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And let me tell you, I was living that as a real as a reality. And uh, as I gave thanks and I began to grow in strength, I started, started to become unshakable. Now you might say, oh, why are you unshakable now? No, I'm not. I still get rattled when the check engine light comes on in the car. I still come home from work a grumpasaurus. Sometimes I'm sad. Um, but a few years ago, my family faced a major trial. Like it just, I'm telling you, it just shook us to our core. And I felt all the feels. You know, I cried and I was upset. But you know what? I didn't despair. Sometimes I was scared. Um, sometimes I wondered what the next day would bring. But I never gave in to z- despair. In fact, underneath these fears, underneath the tears, I really had a sense of peace and sometimes even joy. Because I knew that God held my future in his hands, and I could thank him for that. I didn't know it was all going to work out, but I knew I could trust him. You see, being thankful, being strong, being unshakable, I'm not telling you be the perfect Christian. I'm not telling you that you're going to go for sinless perfection. It's not about that. It's about a life of peace and joy, trusting on God and relying on his word, growing in my faith. You know, if you ask my family, they can tell you easily, even today, the times when I worry when I shouldn't, the times I lose my temper, I still do, the times I raise my voice, all those things happen in the Kripe household. But I'm also hoping that they see growth. I hope that when they look at me, they see a man who's still growing in Christ, still learning to trust God, and still growing in my faith year by year. And I pray that God will use me to reach the people in my life, you know, my friends at work that aren't saved, my non-Christian friends. I pray that when they see me, that they won't see my shortcomings, but they'll see an ambassador for Christ, somebody who's attractive to them, who's thankful, strong, and maybe even unshakable. So how do we get there? You know what? I really think it starts with thanks, and you might be like me, and you have to think of three things. I've been there. But start making a list and giving thanks to God for those things. One way the Kripe family marks the passing of the seasons is we go into Meyer 
and we go, the Meyer on 331, you go past pharmacy, and when you get to the back, you hit the candle section. And that's how we know what season's coming up. So you know in July, they've got the fall candles out, and then by October, it's pine trees and sugar cookies, and you know, we smell them like we've never smelled them before. Like, oh, did you smell the pumpkin spice? And we're like, wow, I can't believe it. Um, but did you know that you have a scent too? Second Corinthians tells us this. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. What is your scent? What is your fragrance? Thankfulness? A grateful heart? Or something else? Let's pray. Father, if we're honest, we all need to grow in this area. We all need you. And Lord, I pray for us individually and also as a congregation, that we would be thankful, that we would be strong, that we would be unshakable. Lord, I pray that we would not just be inward focused, but Lord, that we would focus outward on this community and that when people see us, that they would smell that fragrance of Christ. Lord, I pray that you will help us to keep reaching out to this community and making an impact for Christ. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning who maybe is hurting or feels like what we talked about was way beyond them. Lord, I pray that you would just reach down to them and let them feel your strengthening hand grabbing theirs. And Lord, strengthen all of us that we would be fit for your service. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Southside Baptist Church's weekly sermon podcast. If there's any way that we can help you, or if you're looking for your next steps to further your journey with Jesus Christ, please contact us at info at southsidesbc.org. Thanks and have a great week.